everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We want to invite you to learn more about the heart and vision of City of Lights. So check out our website at cityoflights.church and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at City Lights Indie. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy today's message. This week, um, we are coming off of our About That Life series, and we, were in, we spent kind of the last month talking about what does it mean to experience and walk in the resurrection life that Jesus has for us beyond Easter. And uh, we talked a lot about the blessings that we have in life in Christ. Through Christ, we are made in right standing with God. Through Christ, the chasm of our sin has been closed by the work of the cross, not by our own works, but by Christ. Through Christ, we have been given access to true love and true peace and true joy. Through Christ, we have been um, given a new identity, we've been given new direction, and it is in Christ that we are made dangerous. Any dangerous people in here today? Come on, all five of you dangerous folks. Dangerous folks. Come on, you can be vocal today. I invite you to, and uh, I'll I'll, I'll poke fun at you if you don't. I'm just joking, kind of. But anyway, uh, that we have been talking, and really the essence of what we've been communicating is that through Christ, through the resurrection power of Christ, we lack no good thing. Is that exciting? Is that a good thing? Is that a good thing? I just need to know. Come on, help me out this morning. I want to make sure I'm talking to the right people. In Christ, we lack no good thing. That's good news, right? That's the good news, that we were lost. We were broken. We were far from God. We were dead in our sin. But because of Jesus, we are made alive. And not only for now, but through eternity, we have access to him. And and as I ponder that, and as I think about that, I encourage us once again to know what we have, to think about what we have, to meditate on it, and not just kind of hear these words and let them hit us, but really truly understand the joy and the abundance of what we have. Because when you think about it, what blows my mind is if this life in Christ is so great, if this provision and this love and this hope and this peace is so good. If this resurrection life not only gives me freedom and hope for now but for all eternity, then why would, any, would, why would not everyone be up for this deal? I mean, when you hear that a new Chick-fil-A is opening up and Chick-fil-A has this promotion that the first 50, maybe 100, I mean, they might have changed it, but the first 50 that walk in the door get free Chick-fil-A for a year. Okay, you get a little card. It gives you a free Chick-fil-A sandwich for every day for the year. My God. They need to also provide a doctor's appointment for the cholesterol. Hey. I mean, people camp out. People show up. I've seen tents go up. Because people want some free Chick-fil-A. Because they know i got to get in on this. Even unsaved people. Like, I don't believe their ethic, but not like the chicken. <laughs> you would think, you would think that if this life was as great as we say it is, that people, we'd have to fight people off. 
Even deeper, why is it that even Christ followers who believe in this Jesus and believe in this resurrection life, why is it that we don't walk in the full benefits of it? Why is it that day after day I still end up knowing the right thing but choosing the wrong thing? Why is that? Is it, oh, I know what it is. The devil made me do it. Right? We love to blame the devil. I do believe that we have a real adversary, Satan, but I think we give him too much credit sometimes. You know the devil is actually limited in what he can or cannot do? And he's done a lot of crap. Can I just say that? I didn't cuss, mama. I didn't cuss. <laughs> I tell you what, y'all glad you got my mama in the back row here at this church. It keeps me right. <laughs> keeps me right. Yes, the devil does a lot of stuff. He is an accuser of the brethren. He lies. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He roams like a lion looking for someone who he can devour. But it's not really the devil. Oh, I know what it is. It's sin. Sin. Ish. Right? Sometimes when we think of sin, we think of it in the very general sense, you know, of us living in this fallen world. And we blame the reason that we constantly, you know, fall day in and day out or we don't lose, we don't walk in the resurrection life. We don't walk in the peace and the joy and the love and the fruit of the Spirit. It's because we just live, man, we just live in a fallen world and we're just sinners saved by grace. And we, we, we blame it on the general sin. That's only part of it. It's our circumstances. That's what it is. That's why, you know what? If I was born into a better family, if, if I was born into a different tax bracket, then it would be much easier. If I had a different shade and different um, privilege that came with it, then it'd be easier to walk this life out. Now, the real root reason that we could have access to this resurrection life, that we could actually at one point receive it and yet not walk in it, it's not the devil. It's not Satan. It's not sin in some nebulous sense. It's not even your situation. The root cause it's pride. It's pride. Dang. Don't mess with my pride, Pastor. Ah. It burns. But it's real. Pride is the root that pollutes. Pride is the root that pollutes. Why don't you turn with me in your Bible to Luke The book of Luke, we're going to go to the Gospel of Luke, and we're going to look at chapter 9, beginning in verse 23. And 
Week one about that life, we talked about baptism. We talked about in order to live, you must die. And we see here in this passage in Luke that this kind of death to self, though we don't think you need to get baptized every week, we don't have the many towels. We do believe and we see here that Jesus is calling us to actually daily die to ourselves. It says, and he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life would lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Help us this morning, Jesus. Help us not just to see the problem, but to see your provision. Help us, God, to repent of the sin of pride. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I've already communicated much. I'm going to break in these moments that we have together. I want to break some things down. And this is what I want to encourage us. This is an exhortation for every Sunday, but specifically today, because I'm going to give you some scriptures. I'm also going to give you some points that in any time we gather, the goal of us gathering, one of the goals is that you would be equipped, that you wouldn't just hear, but you'd be equipped so that you can go and you can look in this word and you can begin to lay those foundations in your own life and see it played out. So I'm going to move kind of fast here, but this is what I want to communicate. Pride is the root that pollutes. What does that mean? Pride is the root of all sin. It's, it's, it's at the heart of every sin, everything that we do that is at enmity with God. The heart of it is pride. And why is it the root that pollutes? Because it pollutes our perspective. Pride pollutes the way, it distorts the way in which we see ourselves, in which we see our Savior, and in which we see our circumstances. When you look at the garden in the book of Genesis, the very beginning, when the serpent is tempting Adam and Eve, and they would respond in disobedience to God by eating of the fruit, The sin wasn't gluttony. The sin wasn't uh, mistrust necessarily. The sin was pride. Satan didn't come at him and go, man, Eve, you look kind of hungry. You've been working all day. You've been hanging out, cultivating the earth, naming animals with Adam. Y'all had a good day's work. You should take a bite. He wasn't coming at her with hunger. He wasn't coming at her with lust. What he began to entice is he was calling out and he was cultivating this pride to say, you should be worshipped as God. Who is he to say this? Did he really say you can't eat of that fruit? Who does he think he is? It was a distortion Of reality. Pride was polluting the way in which Adam and Eve viewed God. Not just the way that they viewed God. We see that after they had eaten of the fruit, it says that they ran and they hid. 
Again, because their view of God was distorted. Before that, before they had sinned, they'd only known nothing but a loving God. A God that provided for them. A God that blessed them with a great place to stay. Great things to eat. Great pets to play with. And a fine companion. That's all they knew. They knew provider. Now, pride has distorted who he is. And they've hidden. And then they begin to blame shift with each other. Because why? Because that's what pride does. It affects the way we see God. It affects the way we see ourselves. It affects the way we see our surroundings. It happens all the time. It's the way, it's the reason why we treat certain people the way we do. Pride. It can be in the deep, dark things like racism. It can be in the ever so subtle things as classism where we're just kind of like, I mean, you just assume that this other person doesn't know as much as you because they didn't go and spend $80,000 that they did not have and become an indentured servant to the government <laughs> in an educational institution. I'm not telling you not to go to school. Pastor didn't say that. All I'm saying is we can operate out of pride. We have a distorted perspective of ourselves. You know, it's amazing how you can get prideful in, like, the situations that you should absolutely not be prideful in. Like, unless you have gone to medical school, it's amazing how we can, you can have a pain, you can have a big problem, and you go to the doctor, and you, have, you really have no background, no understanding whatsoever of what's happening in your body. Someone who actually knows what they're talking about comes in, assesses it, looks at it, gives you a prescription, and you go home, and all of a sudden now you're Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. You, because you Googled a couple things. And then you start, well, I know they said I should take this this amount, but because uh, you stayed at Holiday Inn last night. We get prideful. It distorts our perspective. It inflates and magnifies our greatness and diminishes everything else. Or it actually causes us not to just look at ourselves in too great a way, but actually to look at ourselves in too less of a way. Sometimes false humility is really pride in disguise because God has given you a name and he's given you identity. And when we choose to not believe what he said and to think less, then we are also functioning out of the sin of pride. It distorts, it pollutes our perspective. We are called to trust the Lord. Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will keep your path straight. What does that mean? It says that in all situations, God is the genius in the room. In all situations, he's the expert. In every area, not just the ones that you deem him, but in everything, he is the expert. Everything. That means not just in the songs, your song selection. A lot of times we surrender, you know, in, in, in a church culture, we like to surrender a lot of external things. At times we come in and sometimes we focus on the external. Back in the day, depending on the church that you grew up in, you know, it was like one of the quick fixes, like, okay, well, I'm just going to dress a little bit better. I'm going to put on my Sunday's best. I remember going and visiting the church one time, and, 
This is like in the peak of my uh, Pacific Sunwear infatuation. <laughs> Old Pac Sun, I don't know. Pac Sun's falling on some hard times. You know, I have my hemp bead bracelet, I mean necklace on, and my Jenko jeans that you could fit like a small family in because the legs are so wide. You know, I had some highlights and hair that used to live on, on, up here. I used to have that. That was there once. Uh, and I remember, you know, going into this one church, and it was, it was a very kind of mainline uh, denominational church, and there was an older lady and a kid, and I walked in, and the kid goes, <gasps> Yeah. I was also the only brown thing in the place, so that, was, that might have had something to do with it. It was like, whoa, Aborigines. Um, but they looked at me, and she goes, yes. Yeah, she goes, And of all the things she said, like, I was thinking the old lady, I'm sorry, the older seasoned lady um, may have, like, encouraged this young chap, you know, to not, like, be aghast because someone came in. And uh, she goes, she actually looked at me, she goes, Young men around here don't look like you. I was like, well, dang. And it wasn't just my skin tone, but it was because, you know, he's like, you cut your hair, you should, your hair has to be a certain length, no piercings, no tattoos. It's all about the externals. Or sometimes we surrender. You're like, okay, I'm saved now. I got to turn in, you know, all of my old secular CDs. Or, you know, I'm going to surrender all these external things. I'm going to change my wardrobe. But I'll stop watching these movies. I'll stop cussing, mostly, unless it's, like, culturally acceptable in Christian circles. Um, and we do all these external things, but we actually hold on to a couple of those things that we don't quite want to surrender. We worship the Lord. We sing real loud. You are my healer. You are my provider. But yet when it comes time to worship the Lord, our giving, all of a sudden we turn into the provider. We cry out to God, Lord, give me direction. I need direction. I want to respond to your call. And yet when he calls us, and it doesn't look like we thought it would, or responding to that call looks like actually surrendering some dreams or some career goals that we had, then all of a sudden we turn in to the provider. We turn in to the king. We love consultants, but we really don't like a king. I want your skillful suggestions, but don't tell me what to do, Jesus. See, there was a young man similar to this. He's also in Scripture, chapter 18 of Luke. We hear him known as the rich young ruler. And I, I'm going to condense this. Essentially, he comes to Jesus. Jesus had been preaching and had been teaching. And I think this young man was probably feeling himself a little bit in terms of, you know, he, he was wealthy. He was educated. He had obeyed a lot of the laws, and he comes and he's asking him, and, and one of the things that stands out to me is he calls Jesus the good teacher. And on the surface level, that sounds like not a bad thing. Good teacher. What must I do to gain eternal life? And Jesus kind of like can see where he's coming from, and he asked him about the commandments. You know the commandments, do this, do that. And the young man, he's, I could already just see him because I used to be him. And going, you know, I've done that. I've kept the commandments. I've shown up. I've been, gone to a city group. 
I've prayed for people. I honor my mother and father. And then Jesus tells them this. You know what? You have done a lot of those things. But do this. Go sell all of your possessions and give it to the poor. And then come and follow me. And it says that sadness came on this young man's face. Because what Jesus had just exposed is the sin of pride. That he had reduced the Lord to just a good teacher while he had assumed the position of king. He, he, he really wasn't in for surrender. He just wanted the stuff. He, he wanted God to make his life better, but he wasn't looking for somebody to actually be a Lord and a Savior. And he allowed his pride, that area, that one thing, Jesus called out that one thing, that one area that he wouldn't surrender. And just that one thing was too great for him to follow Jesus. How many times maybe you have been in church before and you've heard the message and you know before you walked in the needs and the ache and the longing that you have. And you come in and you hear the word of truth and you know that it's for you. You know that God met you exactly where you were. In fact, there was times in the message where you might even look to somebody and go, did you tell him that I was coming? Did he look at my Facebook page before I got here? And you know this word is for you and yet... You won't leave your seat because pride has nailed you. Because you don't want to give up. You don't want to surrender the addiction of the illusion of control. It's amazing how people can give their lives and surrender all. And yet, when they actually are called to walk this out and follow Jesus... They realize I haven't really surrendered to anything. It's not just, I'm not just talking to unchurched people. I'm talking to Christian folk. I'm talking to myself this morning. It's the same reason that I can amen to a message on humility and sacrifice and dying to yourself and loving your wife and then leave here and on Sunday afternoon get into it with Kelly because of my pride. This, I'm being real, folks. Some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Say, amen, amen, bless the Lord. Oh, yes, pastor, praise you, Jesus. I hear you, Lord. And then later on tonight, you're going to raise your voice at the wrong moment. And your wife is going to look at you and say, amen, pastor. (laughs) New mercies. Mercies are new every morning. And for some reason, pride keeps resurrecting too. It just meets me, greets me when I wake up. Greets me at 3 a.m. When a kid wakes up and peed in the bed. I try to pretend to be asleep. 
You say, how is that pride? you just tired. No, I've told myself that my being tired and my sleep is more important than Kelly's. It comes in the most subtle of ways. I could preach a whole series on this, and I might someday, but I'm not going to do that today. I want to move forward because I don't want to focus just on the problem. The reality is we all got pride issues. Every person in there, you got pride issues. Just hear it. Just receive it. Just receive it. It'll make this whole process go a lot faster if you just receive it. You got pride issues. But you know what? There's freedom. Pride will get you defensive. Pride will get you thinking all kinds of things. Kayla, go ahead and come up here because I need to wrap this thing up. Worship team, you can just stay seated. If y'all haven't learned this, the keyboard, it's like it's a clock. It helps remind you. It's like the Oscars. You start playing. Wrap it up, B. The answer, the, the turning point, the road to freedom, the road to true freedom from pride is the valley of humility. See, one of the scary things about pride is pride can be so subtle, and like I was talking about earlier, is especially for those of you who have given and surrendered at one time, you've surrendered your life to Jesus, pride can be such a sneaky thief. Pride can be the most, it's like the most beautiful prison because it gives you the illusion that you have what you want or that you're in control while keeping you completely incarcerated. And so we just go through the motions and pretend that he's Lord when in reality we're just managing our own cell. But God has allowed us and he calls us to walk in humility. What is godly humility? Godly humility is actually acknowledging and seeing truth. We see an encounter. Many of you have heard me talk about this, and I encourage you to go visit it yourself in Isaiah 6, where there's an encounter where Isaiah is beholding God in the true way that he is to be seen, not as a consultant, but as a holy king. And he, he in that moment, is able to see himself appropriately, see his surroundings appropriately. Humility is the holy chemotherapy that kills the cancer of pride in us so that we can walk in real life. When we operate out of pride, it's kind of like having a hole in your gas tank where you keep filling up, you keep paying, but once you get on the road, you find, man, I just keep running out keep running on empty it's like we stiff arm the provision of God no I got this scripture says in James that God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble when we walk in pride it's literally like stiff arming the provision of God because what we have said in that moment and I want us to hear this because I think sometimes the reason why we don't surrender and we don't repent of the sin of pride is because we've told ourselves it's not that big a deal. It's not that ugly. Literally, when we operate out of our pride, what we are saying to God is, you aren't good enough. When we choose to not walk in humility 
and surrender to the, what God has said about every area, whether it be our relationships, our careers, our finances, our hurts, our offenses. What we are telling God is in this area, you don't cut the mustard. In this area, I think I'm better than you. That's what casts Lucifer out of the heavens. That is the ugliness. Humility is recognizing who we are, who he is, repenting and following him. Now, humility isn't something that you just go and you like take out some money, you're like, hey, I need to buy, I need to fill up on humility, 87 octane. Humility is cultivated not by focusing on our problem, not by focusing on all of our brokenness, not by sometimes the way we get it is we beat ourselves up. The way I can be humble is I'll just think negatively of myself. Again, that's pride. Humility is cultivated in beholding Jesus. It's beholding him for who he is, the fullness of who he is, truly understanding and getting a revelation of who he is. That's why it's important that we read this Bible. That's why it's important that we come and we actually sing songs that are biblical and we declare, Yeshua, my healer, Yeshua, my redeemer, Yeshua, my risen king. He's not Yeshua, my friend that's kind of good at money. Yeshua, my friend that's Googled online MD. Yeshua, my really nice encourager. He is the risen king. He is a provider. He is a father to the fatherless. He is the expert on any area that you could possibly have. He is a lover. He is a restorer. And he gives grace to those that will behold him, repent, and follow him. It says daily take up your cross. This isn't a one-time thing. You're going to wake up tomorrow, and you're going to need to make a choice to take up your cross, to die to self, to follow Jesus. I believe that if you will, I dare you to, I dare you to, if you're a believer, if you confess Jesus as Lord, I call you to. Don't just toss 85% of your life to Jesus to manage. Surrender it all to him. Surrender it all to him. Let's stand together. Hallelujah. Right now, uh, as, as we're all here, just bow your heads and close your eyes. I just want us to just to come before the Lord right now. Lord, you know the areas in our lives that we have yet to surrender to you. Lord, it, I know it really doesn't matter how long we've been here, how long we've followed you or known you. Every single one of us in this room 
have things that you're calling us to surrender. Lord, growing in relationship with you, the, the closer that we come into your light, your glorious light, the more areas in our hearts are revealed, Lord, that we need to repent of. And Lord, it's, I'm amazed at how pride, one of the great things that it will rob us of, is just robbing us of the gift of repentance. Robbing us of being able to come before you, to confess and acknowledge our need so that we can receive your grace. And so, Lord, this morning, by your spirit, I ask that you would give us the grace, that you would give us the courage to come and repent of the sin of pride. Lord, that you would give us the courage, that you would give us the awareness to acknowledge that we are not God. I know it sounds so simple and so elementary, and yet we keep trying to play this role. Lord, help us this morning. If that's you this morning, and you're in here and you say, I, you recognize that there are areas that you have operated out of pride. You know you have not fully surrendered your life to the Lord. I don't even have to call them out. You know the areas that you've been holding on to. And right now, in this moment, you're ready. You say, I'm, I'm ready to repent of my pride. I'm ready to surrender all of my life to him. I trust him. I'm going to take a step of faith, a step of courage, a step of humility to see him in the right way. If that's you, can you just lift your hands to the Lord all over this place? My hands are up <laughs> all over this place. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you're here. I thank you that you're here to meet us, Lord, that you are here with grace, with provision, with abundant love. And Lord, I'm asking, Lord, that you would give us the courage today, Lord God. Lord, to walk and follow you. Lord, we repent of the sin of pride. We repent for allowing pride to pollute the way we see ourselves, exalting ourselves above you, making you less than. Lord, we step off of the throne. Lord, we recognize you as the king, as the savior, as the Lord, as the only one who is worthy of our worship and our affection. And Lord, we exalt you this morning. Lord, you, you tell us, you remind us, Lord, Lord, that you oppose the proud, but you give grace to the humble. And so, Lord, we ask for your grace this morning. We need your grace. We need your grace in our friendships, in our relationships, in our marriages. We need your grace in our, in our bodies as we believe for healing and, and, as, and we steward them. Lord, we need your grace, Lord, this morning as we trust you with our resources and the finances that you've given us. We need your grace, Lord God, to love each other with your love and to forgive each other the way you've forgiven us. We need your grace this morning. And so we repent of our pride. Lord, help us. We thank you that your provision is there. We thank you that you have not left us nor forsaken us. Now help us to live this thing out by your power 
oh great king, loving Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give him praise this morning? Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget, you can find us online at cityoflights.church and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.